Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele. The weirder the book, the better. Funny Golden. Historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Keith Steigert. Reading the books your mother warned you about. Megan Runyon, reading YA and whatever her current fixation is. Pat Griner, refusing to read by the rules, as a rule. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. So why is it all of the things that go into meatloaf I love, but I don't like meatloaf? I don't like meatloaf either. Like, I don't. I don't like ketchup enough to like meatloaf. Well, yeah, I don't Why like do the ketchup on top. you put ketchup in your meatloaf? That's like, what you put in meatloaf. You don't oh put it. Oh my god! No, it's not. And you put it just on top. I've never put meatloaf or ketchup in meatloaf when I've made well, it. Well, like it's, it's. I've never on put it. it on top. I think it's because whenever I've made meatloaf, you put it in that tin, and it looks all pretty when you put it in the oven. And when you take it out, it's like swimming in a pool of its own fat, and that grosses me out. So I, you can't make meatloaf out of fatty. You have to use really lean meat. Yeah, the like ninety-eight percent or whatever that is. Oh, and see, my dad loves meatloaf, and my mom does not make it. So like, you and my mom could switch for like a day, and my dad could have meatloaf, and he'd be meatloaf and macaroni and cheese is like life. Well, the whole thing came up because I made meatballs. For our potluck today, because, you know, for the celebration of the Taylor Swift concert on Sunday, we had a potluck. (laughs) 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 That's right. It doesn't, she doesn't have to show up and sing for it to be called a Taylor Swift concert. Okay, the Taylor, (laughs) it's just Taylor Swift just has to be in the building. Football game might break out. A football game (laughs) might break out. (laughs) Yes, we were talking about food. So I decided to make meatballs because I'm poor and I was looking through my refrigerator and trying to see what I had that I did not have to go to the store for. And I had all of the, the fixings for meatballs, but I've never actually made them. Because you normally make a sausage ball, right? Or so- Yeah, sausage yes. balls yeah, is okay. usually what I make. That's what I thought. But I don't have any sausage and I don't have any Bisquick and I don't have any cheese. So that was out the door. But I also had a rolled dough left over from Christmas. And I was like, I needed to use it anyway. So I was like, how about if I make some garlic rolls and some meatballs and then people can like make their own little sliders. There you go. I love garlic more than the average person, I think. (laughs) So after I peeled and minced the garlic this morning to make the meatballs and the bread, all I did all day was smell my hands. (laughs) Were you Mary Catherine Gallaghering? I was. I know no one can see us doing it, but everyone knows what we mean when we say Mary Catherine Gallagher and her spirit smell or whatever they, yes. yeah. I was like, my hands She's smell sniffing like. her fingers, and I told her, Bonnie, you can't do stuff like that when you're at work because people will think you've been sticking your hands down your pants. <laughs> and it's smelling. Yeah. It smells like balls. Oh, way to ruin the garlic. <laughs> my hands they- smell like garlic once again. It yeah. was delicious. Mind you too. Now we're all smelling our fingers. Thanks, Bonnie. You're welcome. That's a good thing HR does. doesn't need to be involved in this podcast at all. So, Well, it's a good I'm thing that HR. we don't have <laughs> rules. Yeah, technically Megan is HR, so. So if the HR personnel is, or manager is sniffing her own fingers, yeah. it's okay for the rest of us, right? Yeah. <laughs>
I actually can't smell it on my hands. Oh, no, there it is. I don't okay. think no, you're I sniffing hard enough. because I can smell it. Well, you did go wash your hands just I a did. minute ago. I did. I did just go to the bathroom and wash my hands. So I even used one of those Clorox wipes on my hands. and Gregory mm-hmm. McGuire is going to do a prequel to Wicked. Really? Yeah. So excited. Oh. He's writing a prequel, like Alphaba in her, like, growing up more in detail instead of, like. Yeah, because they kind of skipped. They they only skimmed. Yeah, she's, like, born up. and well, then they she's talked about chiz. They talked about her, her being a baby. They talked about that a lot. Yeah. A little, not that, not that a much. little, and a little as a toddler, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah. she was grown up. So there was no adolescence in yes. there at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do a Patreon episode on the Wicked series. <gasps> that would be awesome. Yeah. I would totally Did you reread read those. Did you guys read it? I read Wicked a long time ago. A long time. Same. I didn't really like it a whole lot, so I didn't continue. Sorry. No, that's fine. Gregor Maguire is one of those that makes my brain hurt when I read his books sometimes. Well, it's... Yeah, I mean, I've liked his other ones. I just wasn't especially fond of the Wicked ones. Yeah. See, I liked Son of a Witch better than Wicked. Never mind. We'll do that. We'll another. save it for another we'll save time. It. We'll save it and talk about it on Patreon. <laughs> but I do feel ones. like when I read Gregor Maguire, I need Dictionary.com, like, immediately handy. Because there are some times where he just uses words that I'm like, what the fuck did I just read? Well, if you were a sci-fi reader, you wouldn't have an issue. I read sci-fi. He just uses excessive words sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I think he makes them up. One of the things I love about reading on a Kindle is that you could just highlight that word right away and go, what's that? (laughs) Yeah. There was something in Wicked. Translate a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That's very helpful. Like if if you're reading in translation and there's some things that don't translate or... They're talking to a character from another place. Um, but, you know, they did that in Red, White, and Royal Blue. There's a few times where Alex is talking to the Politico reporter guy and they in the movie, and they speak in Spanish, and it, like, translates half the conversation, yeah. but not the other half, yeah. like, on the put-up captions. But I feel like that's even <laughs> new because I feel like the very first time I watched it that they, it, they weren't there. And I was like, what the hell are they saying? Plus, if you're if you're watching something and there's background of a television playing or music playing or anything like that, you don't get close captions for those things. Yeah. I don't even notice that the music is spooky, but and it'll be like spooky music. But sometimes yeah. they'll be like sounds of joyous children playing in background or like they'll just They'll put really yeah. weird shit in. Like there was lolly lollygagging music. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> there was something in Stranger Things the last season with Vecna and like his tentacles. And there was something in the caption that people were like, that is the worst, best description I've ever. Like, it was like gross sounding, mm. just like the caption of like. Mucus squishing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Mucus squishing. Yeah, it was something like that where everyone's like, ew, but such a good description. So then everyone started turning the captions on to like see the Vecna noises Ari, and caption. We've heard from everybody else. Bonnie, do you use, use closed captioning? Oh, yeah, definitely. But it is because I can't hear the TV. I either have to turn the TV up like so loud that my neighbors know what I'm watching or I turn the captions on mm. because I'm I'm a little deaf or if there's any other noise I can't I can't understand what they're saying. Oh, the Vecna caption huh. was tentacles wetly wetly squelching. Ooh, yeah, squelching is a good word. Well, tentacles wetly squelching. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. That's exactly the sound. But it's such a good descriptor. Word picture. <laughs> Pat, have you noticed? It's only when Martha does her weird voice. Uh, it, yeah, like just now. You know when I talk like this? Yeah, we can't hear it. It's it the background noise. It's, I think the Zoom decides it's background noise and not a real person. Oh my fucking god! Thanks. Really? Thank you, Zoom. Thank you. Yeah. It thinks you you're barking, like, I guess. You sound like Cindy Lapper. I've wondered forever. I'm like, how come sometimes I hear them and sometimes I don't? It's when you guys it's do a weird Martha voice. It's when Martha does that voice. I know you love that voice. No, I really Lottie's don't. Lottie's done it a couple of times, too. Mm-mm-mm. When she gets high-pitched, I think it might be when she does her televate, te- telephone operator voice, maybe. <laughs> like, we I think, think it might have been. The, I think it might have been the meatballs. She brought meatballs for work today for the potluck. And we were talking about what to have for dinner. Because, you know, this is a discussion we have every single week. Because we can never agree. We're just exactly like we are with books. We cannot agree on what to eat. And today was National Pizza Day. So I started thinking Mm -hmm. about this very early because I knew Vani wouldn't want to have pizza. Because she's not supposed to have a ton of bread. Or dairy. So I know, right, double whammy there. Yeah, I know, and, right? And uh, let's not even talk about what tomato sauce does to my stomach. Yeah. So we we're trying to figure that out, and Bonnie was talking about the fact that she brought meatballs to work today, and I said, "Well, you know, Megan's not gonna eat that shit. She's picky. She won't touch meatballs. I can't stand meatballs or meatloaf. So don't bring them unless you just want to bring the meatballs, and you can just nibble on them while we eat. No, that's all right. I can fill my mouth with ball meat this weekend. (laughs) Keep your bumble to yourself. (laughs) Her tinder, I guess, probably more likely. Keep that tinder to yourself. (laughs) What about a garlic, a butter garlic candle? Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I also like the idea of a bacon grease candle. Mm. Yes. Just bacon Ooh. grease. You know, you could probably don't just Don't put save... a bunch of other bullshit in there. Don't try to make it. You could probably be... just save your don't literal make it... bacon grease and don't turn it into a Don't make it bacon candle. adjacent. I want full ass bacon what grease. What about maple bacon? That would smell amazing. That would smell pretty good. Real maple, not fake shit. You Real maple just bacon. Make a bunch of bacon, save the bacon grease, put a candle wick in it, and relight it. I love that idea. <laughs> Why is nobody doing work. that already? It's probably really hard to transport. This it part would of it. probably be super flammable, though. Yeah, it'd be so, tricky. I feel like. Uh, yeah. And it would go bad pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah I mean, true. I keep the grease Rancid under my bacon kitchen for a long pretty time. Pretty disgusting. People use it in their gravy and stuff all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. I use it all the time, but there's a certain point. Where it goes off. Yeah, no, I wouldn't keep it And when it, it goes off, use. it goes off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> I would not keep it to use, like, mm. regularly. Is it sad that now I want bacon? Nope, I always want bacon. Bacon is... <gasps> oh, my God. We just discovered something. We I all like, like bacon. We all like bacon. Somebody needs to write this down because <laughs> Pat, it's not often. But, but oh, yeah, do, I'm in for bacon. Keith? Oh my God. We all like but bacon. But the real question is... That's because what bacon consistency is the of meat bacon. of the gods. Oh, it's got to be crispy. Everyone eats bacon. Like, but my you... son will eat bacon, and he eats, like, five things. But, do you, Keith, do you like your bacon, like, really crispy, or do you like it more like a Canadian ham situation? Okay, Canadian ham is ham. <laughs> what she wants to know is do you want if it's... Do you want it floppy? Is it stiff, or is it oh, flaccid? 
blasted bacon. She she likes like um, erect burned. bacon. Yeah, almost burned not that flaccid bacon. bacon. We're on to new territory when we found one thing we all like. That's true, but we can't all agree on how to cook it. Yeah, semantics. I'll eat it flaccid. I'll eat it stiff. Just throw that meat in front of me and I'm good. Why do you have to make bacon <laughs> sexual? We can't poor, help it. Poor Wilbur has it's been a, sexualized. It's a 12-year-old boy brain issue. Just leave it. You're sexualizing poor Wilbur. He didn't sign on for this. It's Martha's fault. It she might put it be, in my brain. It might be Wilhelmina. You said Wilbert. Will, uh, uh, it could be Wilhelmina. It could be Wilhelmina. It could be Wilhelmina. It's a literary reference, though. Yes, Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. But I, was like, I was trying to bring some equal opportunity. When it comes to I bacon, I'm pretty bi. I don't care if it's male or female. <laughs> Keep it going, girl. I'm okay with either. Either one. I can't. I can't How about I, swinging bacon? I can't, in good conscience, name a pig I'm Wilhelmina all right with that, too. Because Wilhelmina? Taylor Hansen's daughter's Wilhelmina, and it feels weird. Or Isaac. Why did he do that to his daughter? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. I know, but I feel like this is a moment in my fandom that I don't have all of the kids' names. We knew it was coming. We knew it was coming, though, Megan. We knew it. We did know it was You've grown out of Hanson. It is because there's me. Oh, no, it's Isaac. Grown out of Hanson. Hanson. Hanson Day concert tickets went on sale yesterday, and I did not buy a single one. <gasps> wow. The CIA has taken Megan off their <laughs> list. Well, that's one stalker we could check off the list. <laughs> so is there going to be bacon on the book crawl? Oh. Bacon and book crawl? Oh, my God. You know oh, that what? Would be so good. I think there'll be lunch involved at some point. Yeah, we did and there could be bacon. time. For brunch. So there could be there could be a bacon there could on be a, a burger at some point. There could be. Yes. For those who have not seen our socials or have not listened to us in a minute, or if you're new to us, because we have some new Instagram followers. If you're new this to week, us, hi. Yeah, we probably should introduce Welcome. ourselves more often. Um, Welcome. But One we of are us. We are doing <laughs> this is why we have to pre-record our ads. So we are doing a bookstore crawl here in Oklahoma City. February 24th, and we are going to seven? Seven, seven local bookstores. Local indie bookstores. Which isn't all of them. That's just the ones we had time for this time. This time. We're going to start about 1230-ish in Edmond at Best of Books and then work our way south and end in Norman at Greenfeather. And there's several stores in between there. We'll post the times. They go up this week of our estimated time of arrival and departure from each place so that we have some semblance of order to the chaos. And watch our socials because I have tickets to the members-only sale for the book sale, which is on Friday night. And we're going to give some of those away on our socials. (gasps) Yay! Let's remind everybody what date that stuff's happening. Yes, February 23rd would be the early day for the book sale. February 24th is the regular day for the Friends of the Metro Library book sale and the bookstore crawl with three book girls and seven local bookstores. And speaking of the bookstore crawl, the book that I am reviewing this week was recommended to me by the owner of one of the bookstores that we are going to be going to. We are going to be visiting. Catherine from Second Story Books recommended The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. And it was amazing. 
In fact, it was so good that I had to not listen to it at work because I couldn't work and listen to it because I was too involved in the story. It was so, so good. There's not a whole lot of specifics in this book. So you you kind of have to go off of the surroundings to get your bearings of like the year. It's very early, more than likely colonial times, America, because when the book starts, the main character, which they just call the girl, uh, is escaping from a fort into the wilds because she's done something. But it doesn't say what she's done, but whatever she's done is bad enough that she's worried about a soldier following her, trying to catch her to take her back to the fort for prosecution. And as the main character, the girl, is going through the forest and trying to survive, she thinks about things that had happened in the past. And slowly, you start to get the whole story of the girl's life and what happened at the fort to make her run. She's basically an orphan that was uh, grew up in a poorhouse from the time that she was a baby. Mom had her and left, left her somewhere. They found her, took her to the poorhouse, and that's basically where she lived. And then she went to work as a servant at a, I can't remember what they call the person that she works for, but she works in the house as a servant, and she's basically a nursemaid to the daughter. And the daughter is either autistic or mentally challenged because she's nonverbal. And the maiden of the house or the woman of the house, she remarries the preacher. The preacher wants to go to America. And so that's how they end up in America. She goes as a servant with this other family. And, of course, if you've read anything about that time period in America, you know that it was extremely difficult for the English who came over to survive. Like there was disease, there was famine. They, of course, you know, the conflicts with the Native Americans. And it was just not, it was a very hostile place, Mm -hmm. very hostile. And so she does something, which I'm not going to say because you have to read the book. (laughs) And she escapes into the woods and she's probably about 16 and very small for her age. And of course extremely skinny because they are suffering from a famine and like she talks about how it's been so long since she's had like meat and all of this stuff and of course she has to survive and so she eats pretty much whatever's there whatever she can find in the forest and it was just it was such a good book but it is very raw in parts explicit as in what she does to survive in the story in the forest um, such as what she eats and what she has to do and stuff like that. Like the abusive parts of her life, um, they don't go into detail. That's better for some people. It was a wonderful book. Uh, now, when they do have conversations with people, they speak in Old English. Oh. So it's like, you know... Oh, that, uh, that would drive these me crazy, and these crazy but in an audiobook. Because it's spoken from her subconscious so much mm-hmm. that 
it's not a huge part of the book. Gotcha. So, like, I don't know if anyone's tried to read The Scarlet Letter. Not since I was required to. Um, I didn't have to read it in school, so I decided to read it as an adult. Oh, yeah. And it was difficult. Yeah, I mean, it is. I know the storyline, so I could follow it enough, but it was difficult. It was very difficult. But luckily, there's not a whole lot of that in this book, but there is some of it, so be prepared. This book is so descriptive, and it's just one of those books that just pulls you in. I've had a, it seems like I've had a lot of those kind of books this year so far, and it's only like February. Yeah. It's going to be an awesome year for books for me, I think. Woohoo. Lauren Groff is a wonderful author. I reviewed another one of her books a couple, I think, maybe two years ago. Yeah. yeah. She's terrific. She I, also, her, her debut, I think it was her debut that we talked about. Actually, I think it was me that reviewed it on this podcast in our first season. Oh, wow. Called Fates and Furies. I would have to agree with both of you. She is a very wonderful author, and very talented and I would definitely read her again. Nice. For sure. And I would recommend this to somebody. Martha, you might even like this too. I mean, since they kind of Old skimmed, English though. Oh my. It's not it's all in old it's English just if you were listening. Bit. It's just a little bit of it. Not very much. The way that this drew, drew me in reminded me of how the goldfinch drew me in. And oh. how I would just... She is a good writer. I might consider that. So... You might just try it. See if you like If you don't like it, then just DNF it. No skin off don't your worry, teeth, she right? Will. <laughs> right. She will. Don't you worry. <laughs> you know. You know me well. <laughs> and that again is called The Faster Wilds by Lauren Groff. Sweet. I can't even describe to you. This is not even just a five. I think this is a, a five. Is this plus. a six? This is sick. We've reached a new level of stars. I'm going to think this is like not even, yeah. I'm about to hand Martha a fucking Werther's original if we had any in this room right now. (laughs) It's It's okay because it's payback for all the time she's had to edit out my coffee over the years. So (laughs) I could give her shit now. (laughs) And just real quick before the next review, thank you, Catherine, if you're listening, for recommending this book because, oh, my fucking God. Catherine is amazing. They are so good to us when we are in there. So we are excited to include them yep. in our book crawl. Definitely would like to hang out more. Yes. All right. Why don't you still go first, Keith? So the book I'm reviewing this week is called My Anti-Hero by Tijan. And uh, this book just came out on Friday. This is about uh, Brett, who is a football star like on a major, like what, an NFL kind of team kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and his team just won the Super Bowl. So he goes on like a Good Morning America kind of deal, like a, a local morning show kind of thing. And Billy, our our other main character, is um, also at the morning show doing a separate interview. And when they meet, there's like this instant attraction between the two of them. Billy is there because when she was 12, I want to say, she slept over at a friend's house and the friend's entire family was murdered while she was in the house. Oh, shit. By this Holy serial killer cr- named the Midwest Butcher. The whole, and the whole family was killed, but she wasn't? Yeah, she hid. Smart girl. And they didn't, and because she was sleeping over, they didn't th- think that. They didn't know she was there. Oh. Like, 
So, but she saw the person and she told police and he was put in jail because of her testimony. So she like, she's the only survivor. And I think he had something like 66 victims, huge serial killer rampage kind of thing that she survived. And because of that, um, Megan will understand this. He's gone to jail, but so many people in the true crime community are just enamored of her that since she's been 12, she like, she has a fake name to work Mm -hmm. and she works from home. Like she doesn't have her name on anything. So the fact that she, and she has not been seen in public since she was 12. So she goes on to do this one show and it's a huge deal. And then she kind of goes back into hiding again. It'd kind of be like if Ted Bundy's daughter ever actually surfaced on this planet, people would would freak out. Yeah. Because people are just, you know, they're really there. I mean, and there are, people who are fans of hers because she survived. And then there are people who are just sick and like, are like, he didn't finish his goal and whatever. And when this girl was 12, she had a really shit week because like the next day, her mother and her brother were killed in a car accident. Jesus. So she had all this trauma and then immediately is put into the foster system. Oh. So that's one of the ways that she was able to like kind of disappear, fly under the radar because like nobody knew anything about her. So her her whole life is kind of a mystery. Like you don't know a whole lot about the situation. You just know very matter of fact that that happened to her when she was 12. Um, and she is also this big football nerd. So, and when I say football nerd, like when she meets this guy, she knows all his stats and she knows all the stats of his other players. And so he meets her and immediately thinks that she's cool because she knows football. And then she starts rambling because she has a pet chicken (laughs) that she like really loves. And so he's like, and she's like really weird and has a pet chicken. So he and she kind of try to, the book is about them trying to start a relationship kind of thing but um she has also gone through this big ordeal and she has gone on tv so she starts getting people contacting her people finding her and then a copycat killer comes out so this book is a lot about these two and their relationship but also about Un, like unraveling all the stuff that has happened because you really don't know anything until this copycat comes out of the woodwork and then you start and and then you are trying to find out like exactly how this copycat is getting their information and i mean there's just all these different threats and you don't know which one is like a crazy fan or which one is actually something that you need to it was really twisty I like this. I like the pulling of the taffy where it takes forever for you to find out like the story. I don't think I've um, ever heard anybody call it that before, but that makes that is absolutely so yeah. perfect. Some people hate that stuff. I love that like that slow burn like where you really just like every couple of chapters they give you a little nugget and you're like, "Wait, wait, wait." More. <laughs> like, "No. 
you must wait. You must wait a hundred more pages and then you'll get another little nugget. And then it, and then toward the end, it's just like avalanche. And you're like, whoa, it was a really good book. I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know if stars. I've seen Keith this animated about a book in a minute. It, yeah. <laughs> That's and I think a lot pulling to me. the taffy should go into our permanent book girls vocabulary. I agree. Yes. I agree. Well, that is Tijin is one of my like top two authors of all time. Like I just love everything she writes. And this was like serial killer and romance and like spice. So it was all it was the trifecta of goodness. And that was my anti-hero by Tijin. That sounds amazing. Pulling the taffy forever. I, that that's, is that's a good one. That goes into the such three a, book girls such vocabulary. A visual well, Mr. Keith and I have talked about it, and he has said, like, we have we've had many discussions because I like it. He hates that kind of crap. He wants to know what's happening. He wants everything spelled out for him right away. So we've had many conversations to come to the taffy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My mom loves taffy. I don't care for mm, it. I do. Okay, Megan. Of course you don't. There's obviously <laughs> no like freaking ham. Like you don't like meatloaf. <laughs> I don't like meatloaf either. So or meatballs. Yeah. Stop it, Martha. There's lots of stuff Megan doesn't eat. You're right. You're right. You're right. Go on, Megan. Go on. All right. Of course so- you don't eat taffy. <laughs> so this week I am reviewing Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. And Allie Hazelwood writes romances with a STEM emphasis. And we've reviewed and talked. Would that, sorry. Would that be a STEMphasis? A STEMphasis? Yes. <laughs> I like it. Well, she has. That's True. not all she writes That's, anymore. I know. Well, now she's now she's getting adventurous. Uh, but I will forever and always love her. Her STEM. I can't even say it. STEMphasis. That's a weird word. It is a weird word, but I don't hate it because it's a good descriptor. So we have Elsie, and Elsie is our main character. She has a PhD, and she is an adjunct professor, and she is trying to get on, like, with a tenured, as a tenured professor, because being an adjunct professor sucks ass. She is, like, having to go between all these different campuses. Um, She is diabetic. And has no insurance. So insulin and her insulin supplies are very expensive. And she has her mentor, whose name I didn't write down because he pissed me off a couple times. Uh, So she has her mentor who is, you know, her sage advice. She has not the best family life. Her twin brothers are also grown-ass adults, but when you're reading it, you think that they're like 12 and then you realize that they are grown ass adults who need to get it together. And her mom is like, doesn't know how to mom basically. And every time her brothers are like fighting over a girlfriend or something, she like calls Elise or Elsie. Elsie. It's Elsie. Her professor keeps getting her name wrong. So then I kept getting it confused in my head. Um, so Elsie gets called all the time to like referee her grown ass brothers <laughs> and her mom's just like, I need you to fix it. And she's like, okay, mom. Uh, so one of her side hustles that she does is this dating app, but it's not actually a dating app. You can basically go on and say, hey, I need a date to this family function. 
Can you be my fake girlfriend? Dude, that's the smartest service ever. Right? I agree. Fakegirlfriend.com. I think they call it like faux, like faux dating. Nice. Yeah. I approve. Somebody should make this now. They should. So Give she, credit to Allie. Yes. <laughs> so she and her roommate do faux. And typically you don't do more than one date with the same person because then it gets like kind of gray. Uh, but she makes a, a friend with the person that she is fake dating. And so she goes with him to a couple of events and she goes to this, his grandmother's birthday and his grandmother is like the sassiest bitch on the planet <laughs> because they're loaded. And every time she gets mad at somebody in the family, she threatens to rewrite her will. Like if she doesn't like your t-shirt, your shirt at dinner, she's like, Oh, you're out of the will. You're an asshole. <laughs> and so the whole family is like trying to stay in her good graces because she's like 90 and they're just like afraid that they're going to get written out of the will before she dies. So <laughs> there's like a whole lot of mess going on here. And she, so she goes on this date and then she gets a call for an interview for a 10 year position. And she's super excited about it. And they go to this pre- because like interviewing for these jobs is not just like a normal interview it's like a week long like you go and meet with all the professors and you go and have teach class and sit through all this shit and it's a process and she walks into this dinner and is met with the guy she was fake dating's brother oh dear and so he knows her as his brother's girlfriend, who is a librarian. <laughs> and she's standing there going, I'm actually a theoretical physicist. <laughs> and he's like, I have questions <laughs> and I'm pissed. <laughs> um, so she's a smart cookie. She's a PhD theoretical physicist. And then we find out that not only can he blow her cover, because he's like, he he makes a couple of quippy comments about like how's the library, and she can't tell him why her brother is using her as a fake date because it's not her place, right? There could be a lot right, of reasons right. that the brother wanted a fake date. So she's like, I can explain, and he was like, Oh, how you're lying to me and to my brother, and and he's he's being a dick about it. And the brother is out on like a yoga retreat, so they can't even call the brother to be like, Can you please like tell your brother Jack? Like, the whole story so that I can get through this interview. But then she also realizes that Jack is her arch nemesis. What? Yes. So he is just, like, Jack to his family, and I didn't write down his full name, but he has, like, a really long, like, professional PhD name. You know, it's got, like, hyphens and all kinds of stuff in it. And she realizes that Jack is the author of an article from when she was in high school that is a it was a faux a fake article about theoretical physics that kind of derails the entire publication that he was published in because they prove that there's like no vetting process kind of for the articles because everything he said was just like made up um he's not a theoretical physicist he's the other one um, I've lost the other word because all I can come up with is theoretical. Um, 
so those two departments kind of battle, right? Like the theoretical versus the non-theoretical group. Um, physical? I've lost it. It's gone. It's fine. Uh, and so she... Experimental. Yes! Experimental. That is it. <laughs> Keith to the rescue. So she is... She hates him when she realizes who he is because she blames him for the fact that no one takes theoretical physicists seriously because of this article that he wrote. And her mentor was the editor of that magazine. So when the article came out as bullshit, it tanked her mentor's career and like it's it's been a whole thing. Uh. But she didn't realize, she just assumed this was some old guy, right? She didn't realize that he wrote that article when they were in high school. So that's why she like didn't connect that like this person could be this person. So, because a lot, I don't know why a Google search wouldn't have solved that for her, but we'll just, you know, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Because if I had an arch nemesis, I'd probably Google him, but that's just me. Uh, So he keeps telling her, you're not getting this job. And she's like, no, I'm getting this job. Like, I need this job to literally live. I need to afford insulin next week. And he's like, you're not getting this job. And so it's a back and forth. She's convinced that he's trying to sabotage her because he hates theoretical physicists. And their relationship develops and you learn a lot about them. You learn about the other PhD professor candidate. And there's some twists and turns in there. And it's just a really fun story of how they untwist all of the pieces of each other because basically she is really good at masking and she will be whoever she needs to be in a situation, which is why she's so good at the fake dating because she can read people really well and know what version of herself to be. Like she can walk into the room and be like, okay, I need to be a like book reader because this group is all about books. Or then she could walk into the bar and be like, oh, I need to be a sports fan because this group cares about Mm. sports. So she has a lot of mental uh, blocks in life for various reasons. I loved every minute of this book. There's a ton of Taylor Swift references. There's just a ton of boy band references. It was fabulous. Ali Hazelwood never disappoints. I'll read it anyway. And a a big theme throughout it is having confidence in yourself. So I always think that's a good message to have out there, especially for women who read mostly these books, that to like have faith in yourself, have confidence in yourself that, you know, it's good. You're, you're on the right path or whatever. And to not listen to everyone because not everyone is in your favor. Uh, And that is love theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. Awesome. Moving right along to Pat. I have a collection of short stories by Margaret Atwood called Stone Mattress, Nine Tales. And I have fallen in love again. Oh, my gosh. Really? We're going to have... Are we going to put an embargo on Margaret Atwood? (laughs) No, we can't. She's just amazing. I, I I am glad I listened to the audiobook because this woman's prose is so sharp you would cut your fingers turning pages you would it is we're pulling taffy we're cutting fingers yeah we're we're very metaphoric tonight (laughs) and the other thing to be glad about listening to the audiobook is that margaret herself reads one of the stories 
For the most part, they are read by different authors. I think one person does too. But this is a fascinating set of stories. A couple of things that make it unique or distinct at any rate, not truly unique. Most of the stories take older people as their central characters. We're seeing things from a different, from a perspective that often gets ignored in literature. There's a lot of supernatural stuff in, or semi-supernatural stuff in, in some of the stories. One, very much so. And some of the stories connect to form a trilogy of short stories, if you will. Out of the nine stories, there are three of them. The first three that center on a set of people who knew each other 50 years earlier. There's Constance, who's the main character of the first story, and she is the creator of a fantasy series called Alfenland. Not Elfenland, but Alfenland with an A, <laughs> that is... Fabulously popular. She's, you know, people go to, they have conventions about her and, and people dress up as her characters and everything. Well, she is widowed and it's there's a storm coming and she talks to the ghost, if you will, the memory of her dead husband. She hears his voice in her head. And she's, so she's preparing for the storm and he's talking her through it. But in the course of this, she's also remembering her first or one of her very first lovers when she was a young woman, who was this guy who became a noted poet. Well, the second story is about the noted poet and where his life has gone and what's happening to him and how he remembers Constance. And the third story takes place at the funeral of this noted poet, where Constance and the woman who came to interview him in the second story and the woman that he was screwing other at another point in his life all come to the funeral and meet. And they don't like sit down for a convention, but they they run into each other, and, and the the interactions are are pretty sharp. There's another one where I think Margaret Atwood just decided to have some fun. Story is called "The Dead Hand Loves Me," and it's the story about this guy who, as a young man, wanted to write a book. He was sharing a house with a couple of other friends. And because he kept saying, I'm going to write a book, you know, he was always, he didn't have a job. So he was late with the rent. They were subsidizing him. And after a couple months, they said, look, you either come up with some money or you're out of the house. And he signed a contract with them. He said, really, I'm going to write this book. And he gave them each uh, the other three people who lived in the house gave them each 25% interest in any revenues that might come from this book. Well, sure enough, he writes a bestseller. He uh, And there are a lot of points in the story where you, you go off into the book that he wrote, which is The Dead Hand Loves Me. And it's just this kind of gruesome, gruesomely funny horror story about this guy who's dumped by his girlfriend and he he's dying and he says he talks his landlady into chopping off his right hand and <laughs> burying it separate from the rest of his body by the bench where he and this girl used to go when they were dating and of course the hand eventually digs its way up from the soil and follows her home and is <laughs> 
haunted by his the hand. Adams family. But it's not trying to kill her. It loves her. So hence, the dead hand loves me. And uh, you can just imagine her having a blast writing this over-the-top horror stuff. But then the gist of the story is about the author, Jack, and and he's tired of paying 75% of his income from this book, which is really the only big thing he ever wrote. And it's now like 40 years later. He's tired of paying the money to these guys. And so he's looking into the possibility of maybe hastening their demise. <laughs> <laughs> and the title story, Stone Mattress, is that's the one that, that Margaret narrates. It's about a woman who as a young girl, like 14, she's and she's a shy, protected child whose mother is super conservative and think like Carrie. It's like Carrie getting invited to the big dance. Same thing with Verna. Verna gets Verna gets invited to the big dance, and the cad who invited her takes her out afterwards in his car and gets her drunk and rapes her and gets her pregnant and also has his buddy meet up with him so that he can rape her too. Mm. Verna stumbles home. Her mom, when her mom finds out what happened and that she's pregnant, she packs her off to a school special institution for unwed mothers. So at 15, Verna's had a baby, which is, of course, immediately taken away and put up for adoption. And she's told she's given a bus ticket and told to return to her mother's care because she's still a minor. But she says, screw that. She goes to the city and through hook and by crook, she makes her way up in the world until she is a successful businesswoman. So fast forward about 40 years, 30 to 40 years, she's on a cruise ship. And on this cruise ship is none other than Bob, the guy who raped her all those years ago. His ass better end up overboard. And Oh, no. No, better than overboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, what, uh, what Verna does, uh, and Verna is not, I mean, she's been greatly wronged and she's struggled up from it, but she's also done some things through the years that make you go, yeah, this woman is not a perfect character either. Nobody is, it's not black and white like I'm unfortunately making it sound. There's a lot more shades of gray going on and not like the book Shades of Gray. There's a lot more gradations of evil and good going on in this story than I'm presenting because I don't want to give too many spoilers. But yes, how Verna resolves her relationship with Bob is pretty interesting. I just can't say it. This was, I finished reading this uh, or listening to this book of stories and I immediately went back and started replaying some of my favorites because they were just too good to just be done with. So it is a brilliant piece of short story writing. And that is Stone Mattress, Nine Tales by Margaret Atwood. Well, lately... Actually, this just happened this week. I found by reading through, I don't even remember where the hell I saw it, one of those uh, probably Facebook groups uh, about keeping track of your reading and whatnot. Well, this one was talking about how to keep track of the books on your shelf. And I immediately downloaded it because I was like, wow, you can scan the ISB of the books that you own into this app so that when you're out and about, you just pull up your bookshelf right there 
and you don't duplicate, which Vani, um, one of the things we were laughing about the book sale is she always goes and buys books she already has. <laughs> there is a point to this, I, I promise. So as I was going through my books, I realized that I there are actually some books on my bookshelves that I have not read. And we had talked about that before. And I said, no, I've read all of them. Turns out that's not entirely correct because mm. there were a few books that I'm just going to use this, this one as an example. Uh, a while back, I reviewed a book called Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. And I absolutely loved that book. And I, then I read the next one. But I was in a bookstore one day and I saw this other book by her. And it turned out to be her debut novel, Blackwater Rising. So I immediately purchased it, stuck it on my shelf, and then promptly forgot all about it. So I hadn't read it. And I was kicking myself because this is such a good book and I can't believe it sat on my shelf this whole time without me reading it. It makes me angry at myself that I didn't read it sooner. So I'm reviewing Blackwater Rising by Attica Locke. It's kind of historical fiction because it actually takes place in the 80s. <clears throat> 80s is historical fiction? E evidently, yes. Thanks, Vaughn. Uh, I was right there. Yeah, it is apparently. Yep. Wow. Just like I we were all born ancient. in the 1900s. I know. You think you feel ancient. I, I was in high school in the 1980s. But the other thing I liked about this book is it takes place in Houston. And I did live in Houston for a couple of years. And so a lot of the things about it were familiar. Place names and streets and different things like that. The opening scene of the book is Jay and his wife, Bernie. They're on kind of, um, basically it's a boat ride to celebrate her birthday. He takes her out, tour around the waterways or whatever for her birthday and it's kind of late at night they're coming home and it's just him and his wife and the guy who's driving the boat well all of a sudden they hear she hears these screams like blood curdling screams and shots were fired after the screaming pretty soon this woman comes tearing ass down and falls into the the water well he immediately jumps in the water to save her because she's obviously, you know, in distress. So they pull her up onto the boat and try to help her. Well, there are three black people on the boat. Him and his wife, Bernie, and the guy driving the boat are all black. And the woman is white and she looks affluent. She's dressed very nicely. She's wearing designer things, her purse. You, you could just tell she's very affluent. But she's acting really weird. Like, Jay recognizes it, recognizes it, the look that he's giving her. Like, maybe, she, maybe he's going to rob her or something. So he kind of keeps his distance from her. They, they take her and they drop her off at the police station and then they leave. Well, of course he's curious. So he keeps kind of watching the newspaper to find out what exactly it is that happened and nothing he doesn't find anything but it, he just can't let it go he he's really curious about what happened so he starts kind of poking around a little bit well jay is a lawyer 
And his wife is very heavily pregnant. And so he's out, you know, poking around trying to find out some details and very quickly pokes a hornet's nest about this situation. But what I loved the most about this book is the depth of the mystery. I mean, even if I started, even if I could have started to put it together at the beginning, there's no way I would have been able to because it's so complex. Then you add on top of that his past as a young man uh, being involved in the Black Panthers and some of the other historical things that, uh, racial things that they talk about in the book. And then his present day issues where his wife's father is a pastor and he's trying to get Jay to help with all of this legal wranglings of unions because the black workers have unionized. There's going to be a strike and everybody's really worried about it. So it's just another facet of this really super crunchy story that you, I, I had a really hard time after I finished reading it because I was hungover. Because not only was it a really good mystery, you got a lot of backstory and details that made you just love the characters all the more. I cannot recommend this book enough. I thought it was fantastic. It does not read like a debut novel. In fact, I never would have believed it if I hadn't seen it for my, with my own eyes. It's a debut novel, and it's just amazing. So once again, that is called Blackwater Rising by Attica Locke. I feel like I didn't do it justice talking about it because there's so much. I mean, he ends up to be the mayor of the town, mayor of Houston, is a girl he went to college with, and they have some serious back story together. Man, deep and crunchy, political. Ooh, so ooh, many good I, things. I read one of her books called Pleasantville a couple oh, year or two ago, and it was like that too. Yeah, Lot. I mean, she is a master of that deep, detailed plotting. Oh, Pleasantville, man. like the movie Pleasantville? No, it's not. Uh, no, no relation. Oh, okay. So, so, so good. There was a lot of stuff that in there that I... It's always interesting to read about it in a way that is a part of a story instead of a history lesson. And I don't typically like historical historical fiction, but I do like getting pieces of it through the story. Pleasantville is actually the second in the series, Pat. Oh. Of this book? Yeah. Ha! Oh, well, Blackwater uh, Rising is Jay Porter one and Pleasantville is Jay Porter number two. Huh. Well, I guess Pat can go read Blackwater Rising and I'll go read Pleasantville. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And then you can trade. And then we can have a mini episode about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, I need to get Martha, Keith and I's romance talk so we can give that to our Patreons this week. I mean, it is Valentine's Day. Exactly. Don't promise that this week I still have to edit. Yeah. You better get busy with it's, it. You don't have that much to edit God for damn. us. We didn't, we, I mean, we did, it's a long episode, actually. We talked for a while, but there wasn't a lot of. All right. Out. So be yeah. on the lookout for that, Patreon friends. 
So we've got the, we'll have a new Patreon up hopefully this week for Valentine's with Keith and I talking about romance and our favorites and least favorites. So if you're not a Patreon member yet, you can join our Patreon and get bonus content and mini-sodes. And calls with us and your other fellow Patreon members and book lovers. Yeah. We do a monthly call and then... It's very hard sometimes to get all five of us to agree on a topic. So we've started doing the mini-sode so that that you get a couple of us talking about something that we're really excited about. Getting all five of us in the same room to talk about something we all (laughs) like is sort of like, um, remember that commercial about herding cats? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We are the cats. We're the cats. That need herded sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you moved it. I just didn't know when to. Yes. So that and we're and it's already the middle of February. So March will be our next Patreon call. <laughs> you do have mini sodes. Martha and Vonnie talked we about. We just re-reads. put one up. Yeah. And then you'll have one for romance for Keith and I. So join us, please. Yes, please, and thank you. You know, speaking about your get together and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you about that one game. That Uno game that I told you oh, was yeah. so fun. Because <laughs> we were talking about stuff that we could do over at the house. Right. And, you know, games that would involve lots of people. Well, I put it in my Amazon cart, uh-huh. you know, to buy. Yeah. Because I want that game. It was so fun. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of days later, I get in one of those little, you know, Alexa gives me a notification that... My package has been delivered, and it's that game. And I'm like, what the hell? It's, you know, making me think of books that we've read. I'm like, um, I didn't order that game. <laughs> my son freaking went into my Amazon account and ordered the game for himself. That little shit. I put it in the cart so that I could order it, and then he ordered it before I had that a chance. That little bugger. Yeah. And I said, what? I said, I put that in the Amazon cart for me. He's like, oh, well, you can borrow it. Oh, <laughs> man. He had her thinking that we were in that book of mine where yeah. Alexa just decides what you need and sends it to you. Hmm. I think I read a book like that, too, where they started because. Did yours have a pink dildo in it? I knew, I knew we were coming back to that pink dildo <laughs> at some point. In this sentence, I knew it was happening. Well, it was part of the plot of that it, book. It was. What book? I mean, mine did have... The book um, about the in, in the future where Amazon or the company predict, it anticipates your need. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. so the things that you need there was show a pink up. Dildo in there? How did I miss this? It, the whole book was about it. The, I don't the book remember, was about, but I remember that. He gets this. It's never wrong, basically. The company's never wrong. So it, oh, so it the anticipates fact that he gets the your pink needs. Dildo means something. And he's like, I have no use for this. I'm a guy. I this is I, I want to return it and they won't let him return it. And the whole book is about that. God damn, I wish I could remember the name of that. I don't know. Horror store? No. No, it wasn't horror store. Where, but it was, the warehouse? No, it but it was like it that. It was like that though. Oh my God. Oh, I know so what it was. It was like a that. German guy. Yep. Uh uh the quality land. The name of the book was Quality Land. Oh, the authors of Argyle revealed themselves. Oh, I know. And it's not anything what you thought it would be. No. Yeah. 
And then they had the balls to talk a little bit of shit about the Swifties. And I was like, for the record, the Swifties sold your goddamn book That's for right. you. So you should not be nice. Most of the people, and I've heard the movie's not really that good. I haven't read the book yet, so I cannot talk about it. I'm still, let me look. I've been on the wait list for they it. They basically, because the Swifties that thought it was Taylor were obviously disappointed to find out that it was not Taylor, which I never thought it was. I thought it might actually be J.K. Rowling. But you basically Swifty baited. I'm six weeks out on Jeez. that still. Yeah, you, you, you baited a group of diehard fans and then had the audacity in a meet, in an interview to say that they were glad... That they didn't care that the Swifties were disappointed, and that it was like I forget exactly what they said, but they basically talked a bunch of shit on the people that helped sell their goddamn book to begin with, and I, that's a bad life choice on their part. But the article just came out revealing it who who it was who it was yeah. And they, I didn't even I didn't even know it was a thing. I, yeah. I had no idea that yeah. somebody thought Taylor Swift wrote a book because if they did, I would have been like, when at. At what when point could she, she possibly write a time. fucking book? She exactly. manages to re-record her old all of her old music and write a new album and be on world tour. Shit, I can't put my laundry away, but she has more than twenty four hours in a day. Yeah, she's she's got Hermione's time Not turner somewhere. Time to write a book. <laughs> you never. Mm. Okay, I I mean I am I am not. This the Swifty in the room, but I've got to give her props for a cool title for that new album, right? The Tortured, Tortured Poets, Poets Department. Department. That's, yep, that's a great title. That is it a is a good title. Joe Alwyn, enjoy the rock you're about to have to live under, sir. Mm. <laughs> well, that yep. title came because him and his bros have a group chat that's called the Tortured Band Club. Okay, well we're yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, find of Echoes, let's find a way to end this. Let's find a way to end this because some of us are tortured no, over here. I mean, enough of Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my Never. God, it's my own tortured poets club. Department, <laughs> department. Everyone just keeps calling it Dead Poet Society now because they can't remember the title. <laughs> it's dead something. Dead on arrival. No, tortured. It's not dead on Run arrival. Run away. Whatever. Uh, Fuck you guys. We love you. <laughs> Someday she's going to write a book. And I will review it at <sighs> nauseum. And do you notice how she's gripping her microphone and talking? Well, it's because softly. it keeps moving and it's <laughs> pissing me off. It's I can't. She's... If they ever come up with a Swifty dildo, guess what Amazon's going to anticipate that need to go to? <laughs> Megan's making a face, but <laughs> we know she would love it. It's going to be a little <laughs> pink vibrator so... with Swifty in red written on it. And it'll have a nice little neat red cap to go at the end. And it will sing. No. Shake it off. Shake oh it off. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Taylor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.